0: was 18 years old. I don't remember if I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college. I lived at home my freshman year. I went to the mall and I got my ear pierced. I got a gold stud put in my ear. And, and I did that knowing my parents were not going to be overly excited. But when I came home, I, I remember coming through the front door and and I'm watching for my parents because I'm not sure I want them to see this yet so I, I remember coming through the front door and and my dad is reading the newspaper he's got a newspaper up in front of his face and and that's important because I was like he didn't see it yet and so I I go do some things and I come sit down in the living room and I'm strategically sitting across the room with my left ear facing away from him he's over here and and, and my left ear's over here he can't see it and furthermore He's still reading the newspaper. I don't recall him putting the newspaper down during this conversation. So I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, my dad goes, Hey, so I hear you're moving out. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, that's not on my list. I wasn't planning on it, at least not right now, not yet. And he goes, well, either that thing's coming out of your ear, or (laughs) you're moving out of my house. And I can laugh about it at this point, <laughs> I think, partially because as a parent, I have a different perspective. Now, keep me keep in mind, I still, as I have replayed that moment in my head about a thousand times, I still have no idea how that man knew I had gotten my ear pierced. I have no clue how he knew because I'm confident he didn't see it and I surely did not announce it. But I, I do as a parent now, have an inkling. Because now, or at least when my kids were, were little, um, and Heather has always been way better than this at me and is still way more observant than me, but I would say that I pay a lot paid and still pay a lot more attention than I, I thought I ever would to my kids, to what they say, how they treat one another, how they treat others around them, uh, what their their words reveal about their heart. I pay more attention to their surroundings, what they're doing, and and whether or not they could hurt, could get hurt. I think it's one of the hardest parts of watching your children grow up and become adults is you have to be willing to send them out into the world and say, okay, I've done my best with them. I can't watch out for everything around them. But but And don't get me started if you have young kids about how if they're sitting in a different room and they're playing away and all of a sudden it gets very, very quiet, how you go it's not nap time. Something is definitely wrong here. The silence is frightening in some ways. So I, I'm more observant. So I'm sure he observed something or heard something or saw something that I missed somewhere along the way or didn't didn't really believe or 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 perceive that he was he was hearing or listening or seeing when in fact he was as we get into our third series, our third week of our series in Lent, uh, remembrance, repentance, renewal—that's that's kind of the byline. We're going to talk about how God hears, and I think that's important. We've spent the last two weeks walking through what Lent is about and how it. it there's this call in this time; we're called, being called to focus on prayer and fasting as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the remembrance of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, all on our behalf, the the greatest moment in human history. And it it deserves, honestly, some focused time, especially with all the different things that tend to keep us unfocused or or remove our focus from who he is and what he is has done and is doing for us, and then last week we talked about keeping our perspective beyond the present, keeping it in, in the eternal, remembering that sometimes we try to make life into things that it was never intended to be. it was never intended to be comfortable, it was never intended to be stagnant and the truth is it was never intended to be all about me and and that when we try to do that instead of embracing the, our citizenship. In heaven as God's people, we are left frustrated and, and angry when what we really need to be do it, doing is leaning into his call now, knowing that all of those things that we are trying to make here on earth now, it will be when we are sitting at his right hand. And that gives us a unique position as the people of God to see the world differently and to work in the world differently. But this week, I think it's important that we take time to remember that in the face of that call, in the face of recognizing uh, our sins and recognizing the problems of our lives and recognizing that it is Christ and Christ alone that can carry us through that, that God is listening, that God hears and perceives and sees in ways that we as his children don't always understand can't always grasp and certainly don't always appreciate the truth is though that he pays attention to his creation he hears our cries and he has promised to deliver us through Christ Jesus to do that i think we're going to we're going to go to the place that If you want to hear people calling out to God in the scriptures, that's the place you would go, and it's the book of Psalms. We're going to look at it, Psalm 121. As as David pours out his heart, pours it out, calling to God, crying out to God in the midst of his difficulties, in the midst of his challenges, and recognizing that God is listening. Because I, I think we all need to be reminded of that. So if you could, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121. It's eight short verses. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to read out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect you coming and going both now and forever. So if you've been listening to Christian music for a time, there's a band called Casting Crowns. They do a song called I'll Praise You in the Storm. And the the chorus is from this song, right? I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? Poorly. You probably couldn't uh, Shazam that and get it to pull up the actual song. But it's Casting Crowns, Praise You in the Storm. But the initial verse, the first verse of the song, Says, I was sure by now, God, that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. And it's still raining. Who can't relate to crying out to God and things not being better? Things are not going the way we had hoped or the result is not what we're seeking or what we want. And we're thinking to ourselves, it, it, honestly, is God here in the midst of me trying to to deal with my sins or deal with the, the, the problems, my health issues or the, the problems with family or whatever's going on in my life that distro- feels like it's destroying, it's pressing in on me. Where does my help come from? Lord, Where where are you? In our short psalm, uh, the psalmist spends, it's, it's only eight verses. Seven of them, the last seven, are all about what God is doing, what God is creating, what God has made, how God is being engaged and involved. But that first one, that very first verse, right? I lift my eyes into the mountains. Where does my help come from? Where is my help? It starts out with this, this cry out. To God, Recognizing this, this need for help beyond what we could possibly achieve ourselves and crying out to God for that help. Jesus, the truth, has did the same. In Mark chapter 15, verse 34, we see Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. And he says, it says, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi lemash sabachthani which means my god my god why have you forsaken me so even jesus as he's hanging on the cross is crying out going where does my help come from where 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 are you god why why is it still raining why have i said amen and it's still pouring down on me as 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 though it will never ever stop but their cries both Jesus' cries and the psalmist's cries reveal an understanding that there is an eternal truth involved here that there is only one place to look for help and and the truth is he can and does because and, and this is our first point today because the Lord is above the fray. When, when the psalmist says in that first verse, I lift my eyes into the mountain, where does my help come from? The, the mountain there is an, intended to remind the people of God as they're reading of the, the, the location of God himself, which would be at that time, Jerusalem, the mountains up on high above the valley they are currently residing in. that that the Lord is looking at them from on high and they can, maybe even the psalmist could see off into the distance as he's in a valley. He could see the mountain range and he could see and know that within those heights, within that mountain lies Jerusalem, lies the holy city, lies the seat of God and lies his presence. And so when he says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, he is lifting his eyes up to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm watching you, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on you, in fact, That word lift, that word lift carries with it this idea of sustaining or enduring, continuing to look at God, to look toward God. I remember when Heather and I, on our first date, we went to a corn maze. And some of you have heard the story. We got lost in the corn maze for like literally three hours. Wonderful moment in my life really awkward moment because in the moment, I felt like very much a failure. I could not lead this girl out of this corn maze successfully. Feels like that should be low-hanging fruit, right? That should be easy stuff. And I could not do it. Now, can you imagine if I had been able to see over the top of the corn? Let the short jokes begin, right? Never going to happen for me. But had I been able to see above the corn, over the tops of What was blocking my path, I would have been able to to get a bird's eye view. I would have been able to see the path forward, the way out. The truth is, when we're in the midst of our difficulties and our challenges, you know, that's when you all become short, just like me. We We cannot see past the circumstances we're in often. But you know who can? It's God, because God is in the mountains. God is above the fray. And so when the psalmist says, I lift my eyes up into the mountains, I, I, I see, and I'm, I'm looking to the one who can see far more than I could ever see. But there's, there's a call there to be focused on that, to honestly, to never take your eyes off the mountain. Again, in the book of Mark, in the book of Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus walking across the water towards his disciples who are in a boat. In verses 29 through 33 of Mark 14, they begin to speak to him. And he said to the disciples, come, come out on the water with me. And and so Peter, because Peter is Peter and impetuous and like ready to go, it says, and climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus as he's he's focusing on The Lord. He's focusing on him who's coming to him rather than the circumstances that he's in. But then it says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, when he saw the difficulty that was around him, when he saw the power with which it was moving the boat and probably the waves back and forth, it says he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, so often we forget to look at the Lord and keep our eyes focused on on he who is above the fray, on he who is able to see The entire picture, the entire corn maze, and the entire reality of what we're dealing with. And in those moments when we become afraid, when we take our eyes off Him, we find ourselves sinking and then wondering, how, why, where's my help, God? Why have you not? When the fact is, if we just stayed focused on Him, we are able to see. With his eyes, we are able to see where he is working and how, as we talked about last week, looking beyond the moment, we can see the eternity the eternity that awaits. We are able to better see the path he has laid out for us. This is a reminder to keep our eyes focused on God because he is the one who is able to see the things that we cannot. The second thing we learn from this psalmist is that the Lord is always, always teaching he is always trying to help us grow it says in verses three and four he will not allow your foot to slip your protector will not slumber indeed the protector of israel does not slumber or sleep as i read that initially i think he does not allow your foot to slip and i think to myself well that doesn't make any sense because uh, at least not for me I don't know about everybody else, but I have definitely dropped the ball at times. I have definitely slipped in my walk. I have definitely made mistakes in my pursuit of God. I make bad choices sometimes. And you're telling me He doesn't allow me to slip? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. You know, I, I remember when I was uh, in high school. I was I bicycled all the time. Um, I raced. 20 mile races. And I practiced a couple of hours a day. And, and so I spent a lot of time and a lot of miles on a bike and a lot of money on bikes. So I spent a lot of time doing those things. And I remember one time getting brand new interlocking pedals, these brand new, super cool pedals that were designed to just be able to pop your feet in and out and keep them locked so you could go faster. And, and I I remember falling over the first time I used them because I was I was trying to impress somebody with my brand new pedals and not realizing how they worked. And the truth is, if I had to stop and look back at that, I would say that the guy at the store was trying to describe to me how, even though I knew how to ride a bike... And even though I knew how strap pedals work, and even though I was good at that or, or had a, a certain level of, of expertise and understanding in that, that adding these new pedals to the mix would make things just a little different. That I've been, been riding along for some time, but, but this, though it's an improvement, was probably going to be different. There was probably going to be some change. And had I just listened, just listened to what he was trying to get me to do and let him teach me rather than just saying, I got it, I know already, I'm going to guess I probably would not have made a fool out of myself. I probably would not have fallen sometimes as in our in our walk with god i think god teaches in in a way that i would call guided learning where he asks us and expects us to engage in the learning ourselves there has to be he doesn't just shoot knowledge into our head through osmosis and say you've got it all there's a a requirement on us in our learning to actually do our part to take the steps forward. He doesn't simply just give it to us. And so with this guided learning process, and I think as we're looking at at our practical lives and as the text, that kind of bears out that, yeah, he will allow your foot to slip if you're not following him intently. Remember we talked about if we're keeping our eyes focused on the things of God, we're following the path that he wants us on. And literally every step is within the direction he wants us to go. And we are actively choosing to take those steps. And we won't slip because he will guide us around those things where we get into trouble, honestly, as we stop paying attention And we slip when we step out of the protection of our protector. He didn't sleep, as the verse says. He will not slumber. The protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. He didn't lose sight of us. He didn't stop listening. He didn't stop caring. He didn't stop hearing us, hearing our cries, or seeing our plight. But sometimes we stop listening for him. We stop watching for him. And we become in some ways unteachable because we're choosing not to listen to the teachings he's offering. We're choosing not to follow the path that he wants us to follow. And he, sometimes he's going to let us make those mistakes. Because some of us are per, a little slow. <laughs> and some of us need to make them in order to learn and in order to grow. Author Randy Myers did an article not too long ago called Five Signs You May Be Unteachable. And and he's also a, a pastor and a theologian. And 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 this is within the context of of our his relationship and our relationships with God. Are we unteachable? Are we not listening to the teaching that God is offering us daily? Because we are, again, pursuing an infinite God. There is always something more for us to learn, right? And he is always revealing. But the five things he talks about, he says, you might be unteachable if you're talking too much. And <laughs> again, God hears our cries. He hears our calls, but sometimes we need to be listening for him to respond. And sometimes we, we have difficulty with that because we just kind of like to complain. So you're talking too much might make you unteachable. He says, you're, if you're not asking questions, You're not unteachable or you're unteachable. I think that's because if we're not asking questions, we've settled into the notion that we know everything we need to know. We kind of touched on that last week, right? We've we've settled in and we don't need to know more. And so we're not asking questions about how God is leading us or how that might apply to our lives or where does my help come from? Maybe we stop asking for God and where he is and we start just saying, I'm going to help myself. Another one he says is ignoring criticism. You may be unteachable if you're ignoring criticism, if you're not listening to what the teacher has to say. Sometimes that's through his words. Sometimes that's through others. None of us like to hear criticism criticism. None of us like to be reminded that we are not doing what we need to be doing. We're not putting our steps where we need to put them, or we're not thinking what we should think or acting the way we should act. But God, remember, is listening like a parent. He's listening intently to our words. He's intently watching our actions. He knows. And sometimes correcting our path requires some criticism. Another one he gives is, you are you may be unteachable if you're doing nothing New. if you're never being stretched beyond your comfort zone or stretched beyond what you already know, then maybe you're not willing to learn. And then finally, he says, you may be unteachable if you're not admitting you're wrong. Uh, the The fact is, as another theologian says, Meister Eckhart says, he says, we must be willing to be a beginner every single morning in our faith recognizing that God is always calling us out of our own misconceptions, our own mistakes, our own issues, and into the light, out of the darkness, into the light, out of the valley that we live in inherently, and up towards the mountains. He is always calling us to that. We are always going to be doing new things, we are always going to be pushing forward, and we are always going to be in a place where you have to recognize that we are less than perfect, that we do things wrong, and admitting that is one of the key steps to returning to the path that he has laid out. God will not leave us or forsake us, but we have to choose to let him teach us, to let him guide us, and to put our feet where he tells us to put them. Then we will not slip. We also need to remember that our God is the creator, our God is above the fray, our God is our teacher, but he is also vigilant. This text reminds us repeatedly that he is vigilant. Verses 5 and 6 say, "The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night." That word shelter, it literally means shade. Right? He will literally shade you. Notice as as the 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 Psalmist is describing this he doesn't say he's going to remove the difficulty the the sun and the moon right are the lights that are that could burn you or could hurt you could not strike you is what he says another translation might say smite you just wanted a reason to use that word <laughs> but the threats are there remember we live in a broken world that was never meant to be perfect. the threats are going to be there but God is watching over you to shade you from those difficulties now there's something interesting about shade if you don't if you don't move as the sun moves right the sun moves the shade moves where the shade is located moves if you don't make an effort to stay in that shade the sun will eventually shine on you and sometimes we are stubborn enough to say I'm going to stand put where I am right now when the fact is God is continuing to move because the threat is continuing to move. And his job is to keep us shaded. Our job is to move where the shade is. You know, I I remember God has constantly, constantly in his vigilance, constantly been so... Faithful in watching out for us and watching out for our family and and there are times when i can I can tell you honestly that he has saved me from myself. His vigilance has saved me from myself. I remember we were driving one night on the way home to Arkansas. We had been visiting family we were driving home it was about one o'clock in the morning, and we had driven about fourteen hours straight. Um, And I'm hopped up on coffee as best I can be. But at some point, my ability to hop up on coffee gives out, right? There's a point at which it's not going to do the trick anymore. And so about 15 minutes from home, I fell asleep at the wheel. I fell asleep at the wheel. And Heather was already asleep. And what I remember is being woken up by my wife, slapping me. (laughs) We all want to be woken up that way, right? But I remember being woken up by my wife slapping me and me waking up and being probably 100 yards from a T in the middle of the town of Bald Knob. And if if I miss that T in the road, I'm going straight through the front of a bar with my car and my three kids in the back seat. And Heather will tell you to this day, God moved her hand. She did not move her hand. She has no idea how that happened other than God was vigilant. God was watching when I was not. God was caring for me when maybe I was not. And God was carrying me even though I was trying very hard to carry myself saying, if I just drink enough coffee, I can make this drive knowing full well and good that was a bad plan. I wasn't even trying to stay in the safety of his shade. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make the wise choice of I'm just going to stop right, and rest and allow him to guide my steps and him to decide whether or not I should be driving or not because I really thought I could do it myself. Luckily for me and for my family, the Lord is vigilant even when I'm not. And finally, God can help us in the midst of our challenges and our difficulties because he is eternal. Verses seven and eight, it says, the Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forever. And you know what? Since the very beginning of time, as we, again, in this Lenten season, approach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that moment that God had planned from the very, very beginning, knowing that we would fall. Knowing that we would make mistakes. Knowing that we would need a Savior. Though it may not feel like in the moment as we're in the valley or as we're dealing with the difficulties and we want to scream, where does my help come from? The truth is, he has known from the very beginning we were going to need help. And the truth is that he sent that help in the form of his son. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you don't yet know him, we would love to introduce you to him. Because he is the maker of heaven and earth. He is our protector. He is our strength. And he is our life and hope. If you have an opportunity or a desire or a push, please let us know. We would love to help you come to know our Savior and know him at a level that you have never known before. Because he really is always there, he really is the source of our help. And he really is life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he grant favor to you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless.